problem with people who leave their hats on, but... Yeah. I, I think we should really take off our shoes when we pray. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. And with that... Oh, Welcome to the... <laughs> oh, it's timing. <laughs> okay, just one time. We started right at 1 o'clock. <laughs> Practically Theologian Podcast. This is part two of our talk on apologetics with Jeremy, Ferris, myself, and Ben. If you haven't heard part one yet, go find it, give it a listen. <clears throat> I hope you enjoy. Uh, we had a lot of fun taping this. Let's move into this section on on uh, some advice you have for apologetics. Jeremy, you wrote this up. Yeah, and, I assume. Yeah, and uh, a lot of this is actually a summary of what we have discussed today, and which is very, very uh, encouraging to me to know that I wrote this and you guys think the same thing. So I appreciate that acknowledge that uh, confirmation that I'm not off of the uh, deep end here. Unless we're yeah. all off of the deep yeah, end together, which could be the case. <laughs> um, the air is thin up here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and this this comes from a, not a huge amount of experience, but enough experience to see that I've made a lot of these mistakes, and I've had a lot of people make a lot of these mistakes in conversations with me and others. So, I, I bring these things in mind so that maybe people listening will not make or, or work towards not making the same mistakes that I have found myself making a lot. And so when you find yourself in the midst of a discussion with people, these are this is some important advice to consider in um, having a beneficial and helpful conversation and witness with these people. And the first one is this, and we have addressed it, is what is your ultimate goal? Know what your ultimate goal is. Are you talking to this person to show them how right you are and how wrong they are? Are you talking to this person to show them how smart you are? Or is your goal ultimately to shepherd this person's heart and mind towards the Savior, that they may uh, see him, they may find that, that he may show grace to them and give them faith? And that should be the goal of all Christian apologetics. And if that is your goal, that goal should dictate what this looks like. Uh, as Peter says in his uh, epistle, in chapter first epistle, chapter 3, verses 14 and 16, that we should honor the Lord in our witness, that we should always, we should have no fear, and we should always be prepared to have a defense to anyone who asks for the hope that is in us, yet do it with gentleness and respect. If our goal is to honor and glorify God through the salvation of sinners, then we must do so in a way that is honoring and glorifying to Him. And this means not going into it with a fighting mood, which I'm very guilty of. Is uh, someone says something, even if they're biting and harsh, like someone says something like, "Oh, the Bible's not reliable," or "Or uh, Christians are foolish." My natural intention is to be like, "Well, put them up, put them up," <laughs> but no, we should be the ones that hold our tongue and show grace to these people and um, go in there with this goal in mind. And our culture is so anti. Doing it the proper way, don't Yes. They? Our culture just wants to jump right to fighting. Yep. Well, you're evil, you're bad, I hate you. Or my favorite example, or my least favorite example is Fox News. They have a opposing view on there. He talks for three seconds, and then the host is just beating him down verbally the rest of the time. And it's entertaining. It's, it can be. I mean, I can understand why that's entertaining, but it does not make it for good discussion of the truth. All right, so, so this leads into your second point. Yeah, and the second point is to know who you are talking to. 
it is important that you recognize that the person you're talking to has history. They have experience. They oftentimes have strong emotions for why they are holding the view that they have. Mm -hmm. And the way that you're going to witness to this person and minister to them is know why they have these views, know what their view is so that you can address it properly. And this involves another thing that's very hard for our culture to do, for us to do, is ask questions. And is ask, that the same point or is that the third? That is the second, um, so. second point still. Yes. Oh, okay. Getting to know the person you're talking to. Yeah, yeah, you ask questions to understand. And when you're asking questions and when they're answering them, you listen instead of think about your response. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Because uh, even, I, go ahead. Oh, at the end of this list, I'm going to give my two mm-hmm. maxims for oh, sure. how to uh, live life. Sounds good. And have discussions. Anyway. And, uh, and even uh, all, both sides of the party are bad at this. It's not just non-Christians. It's we both tend to make straw men because we think we understand an argument and we raise oppositions yeah. against it and we're dead wrong. Yeah. So what are you going to say first? Well, I, I guess I was just going to give an illustration uh, about assessing someone's knowledge, knowing who you're talking to, asking mm-hmm. questions. Um, I was a nurse before I came to seminary. And the one thing you learned um, was if – if you were concerned about a patient and you have just a little bit of information and then you pick up the phone at 3 o'clock in the morning and call the physician at his house when he's sleeping, uh, you better have all your ducks in a row. Mm. And um, so it was very much stressed that we needed to be able to look at all the facts and, and be able to understand what can I say is probably wrong with this person before I wake up the physician. And and I think that's our tendency when we're talking to someone. We hear them say one thing, and we hear that, and we don't quite understand it, but we know we don't like it. And then we're already we're already coming up with the opposing yeah. argument. You know, yeah, that's a good point. And yeah. that brings up questions like, what kind of questions do you ask? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Can you clarify this point? I'm not sure, or even a really good thing to do is to say, well, is this what you mean? And you restate your view to them. Right. So this would lead into your third mm-hmm. point, right? In order to address their actual preposi- prep- uh, presuppositions. Prepositions. Their prepositions. Yeah. <laughs> Don't use prepositional phrases with me, young man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I mean, in order to address those pre- presuppositions, you actually have to know their presuppositions yeah and know it yeah. very know it to the point where you could defend it mm-hmm. and they could say that's right I've and they, maybe they'll be like oh wow I've actually convinced this person haha <laughs> I've made a convert um, <laughs> just so know it so well know it so well that you can I mean that might even involve some homework on your part yeah maybe you go and study I don't know um, Confucianism or dispensationalism so that you understand it well enough that you can address it oh did you um, just say dispensationalism <laughs> Oh, oh we have offended Fox News, <laughs> all the Confucianists, and all our dispensationalists. Most of my friends and friends. Oh, well. We need to call our lawyer. Um, you can give him my, uh, my phone number. They yeah, can start if you texting need me. Jeremy's okay. cell phone, just ask me. <laughs> sure. Um, so, and that, the third point is address their presuppositions. Don't be afraid to do that. And don't, don't feel that it's a step that is not important that you need to skip over. Uh, it is... Because it's true that ultimately our goal is to bring them to God's word and to God himself. Um, yeah, it is so important that we address their primary way of thinking so that we can correct that, so that they can maybe we maybe consider the word of God from a different light than how they've already considered it. Like, 
a good example would be, what is the point of bringing someone to the Bible if they think that the Bible is full of contradictions? Mm-hmm. So you address that presupposition first and show them, well, in fact, no, the Bible is not full of contradictions. Um, mm-hmm. And that way they can maybe appreciate yeah. what you're bringing them to in a different light. And I, I think that mm-hmm. along with that, uh, we're often on the offensive mm-hmm. uh, when when we really need to realize that when someone asserts something, that automatically puts them on the point of needing to defend what they just said. Yeah. And so when they say the Bible is full of contradictions, um, rather than just saying, no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> just say, well, well, I've got a Bible right here. Could you show me yeah. uh, a contradiction? You know? And 99% of the time, what, are the, what is your response going to be? Uh, I don't know. I just, I just heard it on heard it on the radio or something. I read an article where yeah. someone said that. Yeah. 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 Watch well, the YouTube on the, video. On the, on the one hand, but on the other hand, sometimes people do bring up uh-huh. uh, supposed contradictions like uh, Judas says in sure. the Gospels, Judas bought a field with his money. No, mm-hmm. he hanged himself, right? And then in Acts, it, it talks about him dying in a field and his guts mm-hmm. spilling out. Mm-hmm. Which I understand why people people come to the conclusion that that's a contradiction because their presupposition is that the Bible is not true and I want to interpret it as not true. Whereas, yeah. is there a is real it? is there a real contradiction in that? Right, right. It's not like it, it said that uh, Judas was um, wearing a red shirt and then in one gospel it said he was wearing a blue shirt, which is even if it isn't even a contradiction. Well, that's it, just different so different details what, of the same. Your, uh, same your point is yeah. it, uh, is that that can be resolved. Yes. Yeah. By thinking about it carefully. Yes. Yeah. Like maybe Judas hanged himself in a field and then was cut down or. Or was there rotting for a while? Then he bleh, his guts yeah. blew up or something. Yeah. Sure, yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Anyway, all right. now that we're on a uh, on a happy thing, this that actually uh, segues nicely into big issues, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> guts uh, spilling out is a big issue. My next encouragement is, and Ferris had a, a good uh, comment on this earlier, was to focus focus on big issues. What do I mean by that? I mean. If we stop at a place like um, uh, modern-day sexual morality, or if we stop at creationism, then we are not doing proper evangelism. We need to ultimately see those as stepping stones to help us under- to help get the person to the truth of God is the ultimate authority of their sin- their sinfulness and need of a savior, and that Jesus Christ is that savior. Um, so that so if we stop on small issues and make small issues our big issues, we are not uh, being good evangelists and apologetics. We're not talking about life and death. We're talking about yeah. Mm-hmm. And as I sum that up, I have a friend who once said something to me that has stuck with me my whole life: is we do not we get to issues through Christ. We do not get to Christ through issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can address somebody's uh, gambling issue, sure. But the only real strength of that discussion is going to have is if they uh, are a Christian, one who has found salvation in Christ, and therefore their life needs to now honor Christ as their Savior and Lord. Does that make sense? So you're saying the starting point of change is not is not issues like doing the right things, yes. working hard, or whatever. The starting point for change is a change to. Uh, Heart, yes, it, yeah. it's new birth and new life that Christ. can only be found through a faith in Christ. Right. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And if they came uh, came to you uh, again and again, what would you do? Uh, what if you had an ongoing conversation? And that's my fifth point. Good segue. Oh. Uh, the fifth point is this: be prepared to be in it for the long haul. Uh, what do I mean by that? Is I mean that if you really are, if this is somebody who's a regular in your life, oftentimes we do have one time off conversations on airplanes and bus stations or wherever. But if you really desire to see change in this person's life, you need to be prepared to have these conversations with them on a regular basis on the long call. Because very rarely do you have one conversation that changes a person's life. It happens. But more often than not, it's going to be a gradual discussion over time. And I like what, again, Greg Bonson uses an illustration. He says, it takes sometimes it takes more than one bullet to put down a bear. And sometimes we have a conversation with somebody on a topic and they don't, they don't agree with us or they don't listen to what we say. And it's like someone's shooting a bear with a pistol and we say, well, these bullets are terrible. No, a bear is a big animal. You sometimes need to shoot it several times before you get it down. And sometimes you will find yourself saying the same thing again and again and again and again because that's how we humans, we, we need repetition and we're stubborn and we need yeah. to hear these things again. Sounds similar to what you have to do in preaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Second Amendment is integral to apologetics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong. I love bears. They're my favorite animals, and I would never shoot one. Well, related to um, that, Ferris, you got a pistol on your hip, and you say, you better believe what I'm saying. That, that goes right into the sixth point. Okay. <laughs> recognize it will not be you who changes the person, right? Yes. Yeah. It is so important to recognize that you cannot browbeat a person <clears throat> into submission. Or even, as I said earlier, proof does not mean persuasion. You can prove to someone that they're wrong, but what is it going to take to persuade them that Christ is the Savior of the world, that the Bible is the word of the one true living God? It takes yeah. the Holy Spirit. Oh, Oh, I was, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it takes God working miraculously in this life. As Christ said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. So when we recognize that it is not us who change, what should that lead us to? Who should we de- be dependent on then? Yeah, the yeah, Holy Spirit. Yeah, we have Spirit. to find someone. Yeah. In, yeah. <laughs> who, who can we find? Yeah. Um, prayer. Um, you know, just... If we actually believe that it's not us who changes, mm-hmm. um, you know, one one thing uh, I don't know that everything he said was was absolutely flawless. But um, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the guy who let's wrote. Say, you're uh, not say, let's hope he's you're not a German. Say Jesus, Paul. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, a German guy who wrote. Uh, Lederholzen. Uh, no. Okay. Strudel. <laughs> uh, Oh, um, anyway. Peter Garten? No. Okay. He, he wrote um, Life Together and... Oh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer. Yeah, Dietrich yeah. Bonhoeffer. The German uh, Lutheran. A, a friend says, or love says more to Jesus about a friend than it says to a friend about Jesus. Oh, huh. um, And wow. I thought... Wow. Just, say that again? Love says more to Jesus about a friend than to it Jesus? says... Yeah, than it yeah. says to a friend about Jesus. I mean, and what he meant was... We need to be people who are so uh, persuaded of the sovereignty of our Lord that we have much more confidence in praying to Him than we do that we're going to persuade our unbelieving friends. Oh, yes. That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's absolutely wonderful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well said. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, and that, that truth should keep us from uh, 
some things you have listed there, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, that truth should also – well, that truth in, um, informs the other ones, informs especially the first one. And if that's our goal, if God is the one who empowers us, then we need to act in a way that is yeah. honoring to God, that isn't frantic and frightful and uh, kind of sometimes people um, – Treat gospel work as if they're the only ones keeping this person out of hell. Yeah. Man, um, sounds like Facebook discussions, right? Huh? Turns into trolls. <laughs> oh, speaking yeah. of trolls. Oh, yeah. Um, I have one more point. It's a. It's, I don't have it as my main point, but it is as my main points, but it's a very important one, especially in our day and age. And it is this Beware of trolls and contentious people who argue for argument's sake who are just out to attack you for your faith. When, why do I say this? Um, I, I say this based uh, pretty particularly off of what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 6. Do not give what dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. <laughs> and another way to... That's why you should fear pigs. Oh, I actually go and feed pigs every day and give them pets. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but... Uh, um, Literal pigs. Um. <laughs> yeah, there there is a s- small herd, meaning two pigs here at the seminary. Uh, Beth Ann and, and Andrew Zeller raise raise pigs, and they sell little piglets as pets. They're kunikunes crossed with. Um, right now, they're just kunikunes. Oh, they're just kunikunes. Anyway, uh, just a little plug for Beth Ann's pig business. You should give her up. Give her a call, and maybe you can buy a little cute little pig and. <laughs> Make some bacon, or or um, all right, or or Anyways, just pet him. Back on yeah. point. Uh, maybe another way to um, define to uh, to state this is: you be be discerning, use wisdom. When is there a time to engage somebody? When there's a time to just hold your tongue and maybe wait for a better time? Especially in our day and age, where somebody will argue with us just to pick at us. Yeah, uh, there is definitely, as I said, scriptural warrant for seeking to have good conversations with those who are really interested. And um, as Matthew said, as uh, Christ says here in Matthew 7, to d- discern those who have no recognition for what is holy and what is precious to you. Does anyone have it? That's a very, that one could um, ha- be a topic in and of itself, but I was wondering if any of you guys have any comments on that one. Mm. I do. Sure. I could actually give my two maxims for life here. Okay. So far. Uh, it really fits well. I mean, I at one point I had a Facebook account and I kind of gave it up because, man, I know you guys all have, I don't know, if you, do you have Facebook? Okay. I know all you guys have Facebook accounts, so be offended. I don't care. I just think this discussions on Facebook aren't real discussions. Mm-hmm. And um, what I saw was just a bunch of people wanting to make their opinions known without any real repercussions or any real necessity to de- defend their statements um and also tone tone is so hard to read when you're doing it via text um and people read into your text tone but also motives and so one maxim i developed out of this and my friend has a a nicer way to put it but you can't really have a conversation with someone unless you can reach out and slap them (laughs) my my friend corrected me and said you mean unless you can hug them so whichever way you'd like to think about it i think slapping makes the point better but it, but if you're talking to a troll but only in love wow. right yeah right? yeah in love we'll slap you in love um, that's the first one uh, but the second one is is connected to it it's uh have people over for dinner hmm. and that's the idea that you don't really change people by talking with them and convincing them by arguing it's 
Yeah. God changes people and he uses it. He does it by using a lot of ways. But one way he definitely uses your witness is when people can just interact with you, see yeah. how you live, um, experience your hospitality and just get to know that you're not a crazy person. You're not a person who hates their guts. You're, <clears throat> you're a person who's uh, maybe fun to hang out with. Uh, you like similar things if you're sharing food with them. That's a mm-hmm. good way to get to know people and get... And it's building up that ethos. You can. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, trust. If that answers a question, an uh, objection someone might so raise. So then, when you slap them, they don't get mad at you as much. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, that that raises an objection that someone might have to this point is well, then you. Um, how can you not bear witness to someone? Who's acting this way? Well, you do. As Josh pointed out, you do it through their life, your your life. Yeah. Which, um, if they if, if if they at this point aren't interested in hearing your words, and you've yeah. tried all your best, you live your life mm-hmm. among them. You love them, and maybe that can bear strong as yeah. strong of a witness, Ferris. Yeah, I I think in, uh, maybe an example of that, not a one on one, but in a crowd, would would be Act Seventeen. Uh, where Paul, in the process of sharing the gospel, eventually got to a point where they just said, that's it, I don't want to listen to this anymore. And that was when he said that Jesus rose from the dead. And, um, you know, all he had gotten out to say so far is that God is going to judge the world through one man, Jesus Christ, and he proved this by raising him from the dead. And there was still more of the gospel to share, but they wouldn't accept that point. They went their own way. But then in the process of that, other people said, we'd like to hear more about this. Mm. And Paul was content to operate with that little church in, in Athens and be devoted to them. And and eventually we might get to a point with people where they say, you know, I liked it until you said that one thing about the gospel and I'm not going to listen to you anymore. And you just you say, okay, you can pray for them then. Yeah. Some said... Ha ha, that's crazy when he said that and others said, but but others said, we'll hear you again. We'll hear you again about this. Yeah. So Paul went out from right midst. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, so there's a, a scripture too in regards to slapping people that mm-hmm. we might want to think about. <laughs> yeah. Second uh, Timothy chapter two, starting in verse 22, going through verse 26. Um, and it's in regards, I, I think in, regards to the way we have conversations with people and also act towards people in especially when they disagree with us and uh, I mean we have even inter we're, we have Baptist versus Pedro Baptist discussions right they can get pretty heated or uh, whatever millennial position or uh, dispensationalism versus covenant theology blah 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 um, and I think this applies even in those inter what do you call that inter faith no intermural intermural oh yeah interchurch with brothers in Christ yeah um, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness faith love and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart have nothing to do with foolish ignorant controversies which I, I saw a lot of on Facebook and I participated in uh, on Facebook uh, you know that they breed quarrels which I saw a lot of mm. Um, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with a gentle slap. I mean, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth 
and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. It's a pretty interesting th- way to think about it. They've been captured in the snare of the devil to do his will. Anyway, <clears throat> well, that was a good scripture that kind of summed up behavior toward people as you engage. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Well, we have spent a long time on this topic. Have we missed anything important or valuable or... Mm-hmm. Man, well, maybe um, th- we can list some uh, resources on the website. Or sure, I that, can do that, yeah. 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 Um, I would recommend uh, one resource that I have found very helpful for understanding presuppositional apologetics is um, any our lectures by Greg Bonson. I mean, of course, like everyone, you want to listen to what he says with a grain of salt. But his in- introduction to apologetics can be found on a website called cmfnow.org. Um, there's CD or uh, MP3 download. And uh, he has some very helpful and insightful and sometimes very pastoral stuff on apologetics. Okay, cool. So I don't know if there's any other books that you guys would recommend or any other resources. Well, you know, there's always Gordon Clark's stuff, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. We're at, we're at San Gregorio Christus Seminary, after all. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm not like I said. I'm not schooled in apologetics. Yeah. But not, Gordon Clark didn't have one particular book. But what reason, revelation, and or wait, religion, reason, religion, revelation, religion, reason, and revelation. The three R book. Yeah, that mm-hmm. might be a good one to pick up. Van Til stuff is probably not good to pick up. Uh, Bonson probably ex- explains things better than Van Til. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not we, that I, we're against. <laughs> Well, I've tried to read Van Til. He's, he's more complex than I am. I think that's just it. A, a lot of people would appreciate his contributions, but it's, it's just kind of a matter of clarity. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, a lot of people do. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he did a lot of good work. He did. Just, he really did. It's just how to read him is difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say that while we're presuppositionalists, so you can't learn stuff from non-presuppositionalists. Um Sproul has is a very helpful teacher to learn how to explain things that are complex in a simple way, mm-hmm. um, and Gerstner yeah. has some helpful stuff too. So um, mm-hmm. and those objections I got came from Gerstner specifically, but also other websites. But I think yeah. part of their objections were maybe based on a faulty understanding of what presuppositional yeah. really was. So. Yeah, and the thing I love about Bonson is is he says I am not here to give you a list of arguments in case a, uh, situation A or B comes up. And he uses another illustration with a gun, which I'm not sure why he has so many illustrations with guns. Um, but he says, if I were to say, I'll tell you that, if, that you're going to be in a room with a man who's going to try and shoot you, there's two things you can do. You can either learn to dodge bullets or you can learn to disarm a gun. And the purpose of presuppositional apologetics is to disarm the person, as we have talked. So that's why I appreciate him is because he teaches you how to think through these things rather than giving you the step one, say this, step two, say that. Mm-hmm. By the way, as we, we we should close, but I should have said this earlier. Um, is it easier to be an evidentialist or a presupposition, presuppositionalist? I, I, as I think about it and as, as I've thought about it, man, to be an evidentialist, don't you have to know a lot of information? Don't you have to know a lot of the objections that people have and then how evidence supports your view versus their view which takes a lot of work it takes i would say it takes a lot of pre-work whereas uh 
presuppositionalist takes work too, but sometimes you have to do the work um, um, as you're talking to someone. Like, well, what I'm thinking is, isn't presuppositionalism more of a foundational thing that allows you to engage people with less uh, if pressure? With, well, not pressure, but mm-hmm. with less knowledge. Yeah. You don't you don't have to memorize all these facts and figures. Mm-hmm. Possibly, uh, you have to know the basis mm-hmm. of everything. Anyway, yeah, I can. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely something for consideration. Possibly. Mm-hmm. So, if you're lazy, basically, what I'm saying, if you're lazy, <laughs> you presuppositionalism for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, anybody else have anything to add? Ferris always has something to add. I know. Oh, I, I, I no. Not at this time. Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone should wear a scotch cap. Yes, scotch cap. All right, in the cold. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. To the podcast, I will list those resources on the website, which is practicallytheologians.org, and at which I believe you can contact us there. But if not, we have a podcast at practicallytheologians.org email address. You can send comments or feedback to you and we also post on a facebook page i use my wife's account so don't judge me uh well just judge your wife huh? yeah yeah judge my wife <laughs> and andrew he's the one that set up the facebook page but, okay. no, we'll post our stuff there too but yeah anyway hope you enjoyed give us feedback if you care to let us know if you listen or if you have any topics you think would be interesting to for us to discuss and uh peace out for now